Welcome to the Book Report, the podcast where we do book reports on books we haven't read since the last time we did book reports. I'm Dwin, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Natalie, and my pronouns are also she, her. Do you remember the Animorphs? Neither do we. This week, we're reading The Android by K.A. Applegate, which was published in 1997. Do you remember what happened last week? Yes. No. Yeah, the pause, I think, maybe gave you away. I remember we, we talked to Lucy last week. Oh, yes, we did. Yes, I do remember what happened last week. We did talk to Lucy. We talked a lot about um, Axe being irresponsible. Yeah. And Lucy um, had the very controversial opinion that Jake is okay, which I think yes. she's going to listen to this episode and then change her opinion, so we might need to have her back. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the episode where... Axe went and made some bad choices and um, then was like kind of not part of the gang, but then he's back part of the gang. Yeah. And then we learned that the Andalites are kind of responsible for the Yerks. Yeah, right. And what I think what you meant to say there was Natalie was right. The Andalites are the bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) I would never say such a thing. (laughs) Okay. Well, today is our final episode of season one. That's right. And we have another special guest today. So... Mm -hmm listeners of the world i.e our two moms and that's probably it but listeners of the world um i would like to introduce you to dan husband dan hi do you want to tell everyone who you are what you do what your i don't know what your journey is with animorphs yeah yeah okay yeah so i'm dan he him i'm natalie's plus one mm-hmm. um I never read the Animorphs as a kid. I always saw them at the lovely Scholastic Book Fair, but I always thought the uh, toys that pretended to be books were way more interesting to spend my AR points on. So what are AR always... points? Oh, you didn't talk about that. Oh my! I gosh. don't know what AR points are. AR points is AR stands for Accelerated Reading, and it's the the AR program, the Accelerated Reading program, is the one where you can take quizzes based on books you've read. Multiple choice, usually 10 question, very simple, C is usually the right answer, quizzes, and get points based on your reading level of those books and how well you do. And then you can use those points at the, at the Scholastic Book Fair to get free shit. Can we curse? Is that cool? Yeah, you okay. can curse. Yeah. So you get loads of free fucking shit, and it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I mostly used it to buy Garfield comic books and toys, as I said, pretending to be books. You know, those ones with like the little box of like, or it's like 10 sheets of here's how to build cool paper airplanes. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, lots of, lots of comic books. I saw the, an- the Animorphs books though, because the cover, you can't miss it. Like anybody in the 90s, it's like snap bracelets. You, know, yeah. you, you had to see it, you know, it's there. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's, it's like kids turning into animals, not into like nature and shit that's that's my sister like I'm not into that whatever yeah, totally i'm into planes yeah right the toxic masculinity of 90s dan i'm into like hating mondays and lasagna oh garfield got it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah what you said too okay great uh well we're excited to have you on the show I'm i think to be here. i think our listeners should know that dan is uh by nature someone who prepares <laughs> yes Dan, for this episode, prepared 17 pages of notes, <laughs> and he has written for us a book report today, and I'm going to read it. I haven't read it yet, even though we live together, and I, I saw him preparing. I'm so excited. But I haven't actually read it, so here I go, reading it cold. Um, I hope I get a good grade. Yeah, Dwayne and I are going to grade it it's together. very important to me. Um, I am a harsh grader. 
let's see, Dan's book report. Oh, it's got a thing at the beginning. It says, but first, the Animorph series by K.A. Applegate follows a group of kids who gain the magical power to morph into any animal. Makes sense and sounds lovely. But actually, the books send the children on horribly disfiguring adventures together, both physically and mentally, and most certainly should not be considered children's books. Rather than having a blasty blast flying around as a bird or swimming as a dolphin, they are constantly being eaten, horribly maimed, hunted down by any authority figure, used, abused by everyone they meet, and consistently made to feel trapped and alone. They witness, are subject to, and personally commit acts of violence so graphically heinous they would be unsuitable for even an R rating in movies. But hey, they're kids' books, so they also make jokes, are totally into each other, do homework, hate their principal, you know, stuff that resonates with you, the child reader. Wow, good caveat. Okay, now I think we're getting into the actual book report. Uh, all right, it says, okay, now for real. Animorphs Book 10, titled The Android, is narrated by Marco, an Animorph child who thinks he's hot stuff. Quote-unquote, gorgeous Marco is your standard annoying kid narrator. Overconfident, and <laughs> blurts out his mind. It says speaks, but speaks is crossed out. <laughs> it says blurts out his mind. <laughs> and always makes time to ogle the ladies. Oogle? Ogle? Ogle. Ogle. Yeah. Marco does have one non-standard characteristic for a narrator, which is that he only exists when their leader, Jake, is around. <laughs> this book <laughs> follows the kids on their misfortunate journey that begins with crashing a concert as cute doggies and ends with them being ripped to shreds by sharp weapons during a botched jewel heist. It all starts with Marco convincing Jake to have a boys' day, boys spelled B-O-Y-Z, boys' day, with him by sneaking into a concert as dogs. But while there, they see an old classmate, Eric, acting like a total yerk. Except wait, with their dog noses, they can tell he doesn't smell right. So then Marco and Tobias go spy on him as birds and witness Eric run full speed into a bus and live, although his body flickered for a second, almost like a hologram. After that, the gang decides to take the only sensible course of action, infiltrate a highly dangerous yerk barbecue as spiders so they can spy on him up close with their octovision. Obviously. At the barbecue, Marco peeps Eric real good and discovers he's totally an android with a hologram. He's only a spider for maybe five minutes before he gets eaten alive by a bird, then explodes it from the inside by morphing back to human and falling to the ground, only to then be captured by Eric. But don't worry, Eric says he's totally a double agent and he'll explain everything if they all just come over to his house. After a brief heart-crushing dinner with his dad, Marco and the gang go to Eric's secret lair, which is actually a doggy park heaven with hella robots, where he reveals that they are a race of sentient androids called the Chi, and they've been hiding on Earth for thousands of years. They were created by a fun-loving, now-dead alien species called the Pimalite to be friend bots, and as such are hard-coded to be unable to kill. Sad face emoji. Literally is written out, sad face emoji. <laughs> but if the Animorphs steal a precious Pimalite crystal back from the Yerks, they'll be able to reprogram themselves to kill and totally help the children. The gang is ever so slightly hesitant, but think it's a great idea, mostly because maybe Marco's dad will get a different job if they do. So in classic heist fashion, the kids turn into bugs, sneak into the Yerk facility, slash Marco's dad's office, and then turn into bats to navigate the pitch black maze of tripwires. And then they realize nobody thought to make an escape plan. 
So naturally, and without thinking, they hook up into their meanest animal morphs and try juggernauting their way out. This ends horribly, and they get to experience group mutilation together at the hands of Yerk Blades, and the last thing Marco sees is his friends getting sliced to bits. But then, Eric Android gets the crystal, slaughters every last one of the aliens, magics them back to life, and then the kids throw it in the ocean. The end. And then Dan included an image from that movie... Burn after reading. Burn after reading that says, what did we learn? Nothing? Okay, well, let's not do it again. And then, P.S., dogs were created by aliens. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Wow. And fun, right? Uh, Dwin, what are your thoughts? Well, it was very thorough. Yes. (laughs) It was very thorough. It was long. (laughs) Dwin has graded me down for writing something long before. Mm. I have. She has done I, that. I definitely have. I think I am going to give him an A minus because it was thorough One and it was factually accurate. No, A minus is passing. It's good. Oh, oh good, good, good. Uh, it was factually accurate, but it was a little bit long. I think I agree with that. I also think that this is an audio medium, so including a meme <laughs> was strategically <laughs> perhaps incorrect. Some, but it was a delight to read. Some people call me a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't do that without vision. So yeah, I think I think like A minus, but very close to an A. Thanks. I liked it a lot. But I can't I can't give you an A plus because then people will think it's nepotism. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's why I figured you'd give me the minus. Thanks. Yeah. Good. Dwayne, I, I kind of I kind of want to give him an A because I think it would make you mad. Um, <laughs> it won't make me mad. <laughs> so I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with an A. All right, way to go, Dan. It was very long, but it was very funny, and it also really catered to my. Uh, I like a lot of opinions in a book report, so she loves an opinion. Yeah, I, I yeah. figured that from the, <laughs> the the preview I had. Yeah. Um. Thank you, Dan. That was a good summary. Good job. I Absolutely. also think. Um. Before we dive too deep into talking about stuff. Uh, I actually think it's important for readers to know the context in which I read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Which was that Dwin, in the most precious, genuine, and kind show of friendship. True friend. True friend. The most <laughs> beautiful action anyone has ever taken on my behalf. Probably. Went through the book and redacted all parts where spiders were involved. Mm-hmm. She covered them with a like a black bar or like covered the whole page with a black square and then wrote a one sentence summary of the sections she had blacked out. At one point there's like 15 pages blacked out and it says, what does it say? They got into the facility. Yes. <laughs> that's, like that's it. Um, anyway, so I really appreciated that. Thank you, Dwin. You're welcome. It was, it was very good to not be terrified while reading it. I wanted to make sure you could still read because it would be a hard podcast if you just weren't here. Yeah, that would be tricky. Um, cool, should we talk about the book? Yeah, well, let's talk let's about the do. new the new characters uh, and species we encountered. We got a few today. Yeah, we got um, three. I think the number one one to mention is Eric, who both a new character and part of a new species, the Chi. Um, yep. And they mm-hmm. are androids, and they've been on Earth for a minute, and they seem fine i guess i don't know and it's not clear from this book if they're going to be back or not Mm -hmm. um i think they will not be back that's my theory Mm. is that the the pattern you've been seeing so far yes Ah. (laughs) 
and let's see where we're at like you know another 10 books down the road it just seems like they could be back they totally may still exist it doesn't seem like they're moving yeah um but yeah unclear we also learned about the pemolites or the pemolites i've been saying pemolites i've been saying pemolites but sometimes i accidentally say it pedialyte in my head (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah well it's also interesting that they end in light like Oh, just like the Andalites? Is oh, it like yeah. oh. all the good guys end in light? Is that kind of the pattern? That's a good point. Light oh, side, dark side thing? Oh, that's not interesting. Great. It's kind of a boring parallel. Kind of a classic but then the, trope. But then yeah. the chi, are the chi bad then? Because they don't end in light. When did chia yeah. pets come out? The 90s. No, mm. the 80s. Mm. Coincidence? Probably not. Probably um, well, not. So we have the, I'm going to call them the Pemolites. Okay. Um, I feel like Pemolites have two E's. Okay. Mm. Um, like like Yerk. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's Pemolite. Okay, so the Pemolites. English didn't actually is a consistent language. Right. Yeah. Sort yeah, yeah, exactly. So we didn't actually meet any of them, but we learned about them and they made the chi, but now they are dogs. Um mm-hmm. because they all died because of germ warfare. And that brings us to the third species, the howlers, who uh, caused the germ warfare. We didn't really learn a lot about them other than that they attacked the Pemolites and they made, made no demands. Yeah, seemingly without reason. They just like yeah. slaughtered an entire planet. One possible interpretation, the Pemolites are fun-loving, like doing fun all the time, right? Which is like for them is making jokes. What if the Howlers also like doing fun all the time, but fun for them is subjugating other alien races? Like the Klingons? Them. Oh. Uh... Oh. There's a lot of Star Trek parallels. I would say yes, maybe more like the Federation. <laughs> that, if that's the sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. connection. But uh, yeah, what if they just like wiping out, you know, other species? Maybe that's their version of fun. It's a crazy universe out there. Who knows? True. So yeah, well, that's, well, that's who we learn about. And the Chi, their defining feature is that they cannot commit any acts of violence. Mm-hmm. Yep which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit because that's a whole thing too. It's Very like a major plot point. It's also relevant today as far as androids. Oh, because that's a rule people try to put in place now. That's, for, things people, uh, that's what AI. people are currently scared about with AI. Yeah. It's also, I think, a pretty classic sci-fi rule, like mm-hmm. making of the Foundation trilogy. Yeah. Um, the rules for Isaac robots. Isaac yeah. yeah. Three rules. I only remember that one of them was not to harm people. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like I have to know this. Or you lose nerd cred? Yeah. Let's make it up as we go. Rule one. Do, yeah, don't harm people. That's a good start. Yeah. What's rule two? Rule two. Uh, preserve yourself, except when it might break rule one. Oh, I think that actually is one of them. I think that's not right. Rule three. Preserve arbitrary life, except when it breaks. Oh, no, no. Flip flip two and three. Rule, uh, rule two. Preserve. Uh, Capitalism. Li- <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah like save yourself except if it would kill your owner so i think those are the rules that the chi operate under because there are things that he does that are violent oh my gosh that theoretically he's doing to save others or save himself before he has the pemolite crystal to make him violent they feel anger yeah they can lie they can grab arms in haste. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel resentment. Mm-hmm. At this point, they're no clear, and there's no kill behaviors. Really, just more of a leaning than a blocker. Honestly. Yeah. 
Like what is what what is left? Yeah, they just yeah. Well, and I'm just gonna say like we had saved this for later, but I'm just gonna say it now. Eric has a yerk in his head that he keeps under lock and key and basically yes. is torturing, but he's still like, and I can't commit violence. And it's like that is an act of violence, bud. Pretty sketch. Yeah. Yeah. So I, even gorgeous Marco was like, I feel bad about that for that yerk. Yeah. I know that I don't like yerks, but but that seems brutal. Seems like a hate a war crime there. Maybe. Is it different than the Yerks taking people? It, mm. You mean him having the Yerk in his head? Yeah, what he's doing to the Yerk is different than a Yerk being inside a controller. No, I mean, I think it's pretty similar, but that's okay. kind of what I'm saying. Like, we're saying that the Yerks are so violent and they, like, you oh, know, yeah, violate yeah. people by going into their heads. The yerk's memory, too. Right, so he's doing the same he's, act he's of violence. The yerks. Yeah. Right. But... I don't know if you guys have talked about this. Is what the Yerks do, like, is that part of their reproductive process? You know, is that we don't just know how that. We don't know. We, yeah, we don't know. We don't know about that yet. We don't know necessarily why they do what they do, but it's assumed that it's just like a part of their evolution. And of... we know that on their home planet, there was an animal that they used as hosts, mm -hmm. but we have no idea if that's like a symbiotic relationship or like mitochondria. What. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting yeah. morality questions there. I know. We talk about that a lot. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So should we dive in into talking more about kind of what's on our topic list for today? Yeah. So Dan mentioned this in his, um, his beautiful book report that it seems that this book BDR. series is not for children. Yes. Like, absolutely. The more books we read, the more I'm like, what? Like, this is for yep. young people to read? This seems like aggressive violent i would love to know who the target audience is because i was trying to remember when i read mm. these books and i don't think i was in middle school yet maybe i was in middle school but i, I wasn't was in, in high school when school. i read them yes yeah, so this I think is I way too school. much for elementary but then i was trying to think about like what is in ya writing now like hunger games is one that i can think of that i i've never read but I, those seem pretty violent to me Okay, but this mm, yeah. is not the same reading level as, as Hunger Games and Divergent. Those ones are longer. Those are designed for, like, high schoolers. Right. And mm, mm, these yeah. are definitely elementary or middle Sh school. Very short pages, big font text. Yeah, I would love to know Only 70 pages who, they were the most, who they were the most successful with, like, what age group. Yeah. I know I read them really young. I don't remember a ton about them. I definitely would rather my kids... Like, if I had elementary school age kids, I would not direct them to Animorphs. I would wait until they were in middle school, probably, for I that. Would, yeah. I would honestly rather them read uh, actual history with all of its depressing aspects and goriness than read these books, which just give the goriness, and then also ideologies that are negative. For and, like, none of the consequences. Human society. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to put out there, I, I'm getting that neither of you loved this book. Oh, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I did enjoy it too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It's I, just that it, it like, to me, it was, uh, of all the books we've read so far, this one, like, in every book, there has been some ethical quandary that's not touched uh -huh. on that revolves around violence. And this one is like, there's a ton of violence, like mm -hmm, more than mm -hmm. most of the other books. Yeah. And it ends with a, no, well, nothing came of it. We <laughs> yeah. learned nothing. We gained nothing. The war continues and everyone's hurt. Which is interesting because that is 
very like real war. That's what I'm saying. It's not it. for kids. Yeah. I I would love. I wonder if this would be a good book to read. And I am not a parent, but I I wonder if it's the kind of book that you would read and then want to talk to your kid about after they read it. Like mm. maybe you have a an That's eleven a or twelve year old who's reading this. I don't a know. Good idea anyway for anything. Yeah, I think it's a good practice with young kids to thinking. read, like, to talk about what's going on. But I wonder if that's the move, right, with this book, is that mm-hmm. your young child wants to read this, and you say yes, but then you talk about it afterwards. Yeah. That's a good point. Because I think yeah. that this book... Yeah, none of us are parents. We don't know anything <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. I don't know. I also don't feel like I have a good grasp of, like, what kids that age are reading today. Like, I don't, be, I don't remember what I was reading at that age I think Animorphs is probably the darkest thing I would, would have been reading, but Harry I don't know Potter. what kids are reading today. That's true. I did start reading Harry Potter probably around the same age I, I would have been reading this. But, <laughs> but by the time Harry Potter got really, really... Actually, let's not talk about Harry Potter because um, J.K. Rowling's canceled and we don't like her. Good point. Yeah, and that's also, I think, a much broader conversation to get into. Yeah. It is kind of crazy, though, that like, what is second grade is like Hungry Hungry Caterpillar and then fifth grade is like Animorphs. <laughs> Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I agree. So you also mentioned this in your book report and you wanted to talk about it, that there's no cause and effect or consequences oh in this book. This, okay. Which is something we've definitely talked about before. Yeah, it's, it's okay. So in this book, I, I have a spiel. Feel free to interrupt because otherwise I may not stop. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's only two pages. Okay, so. Oh my God. In, <laughs> This book, everything is only half considered. Like, if you think about That's it. That's true for the entire series. Great. I, I, I think it's probably true for a lot of children's books now that, it, like, it kind of, anyway, I'll, I'll get to the, the conclusion at the end. But first, some examples from minutia to major plot points. Some minor things are, like, sometimes they have to be careful when morphing out of, from human to animal about, oh, putting their clothes in a place where they can recover it. And sometimes they don't, and they just go home. Do they show up naked? Maybe that's not weird in their neighborhood. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that. Um, to be fair, we do know that they they morph, and I don't know if they mentioned this book, but they do morph into like a. They have a suit. They have a thing they morph into. They got a cool super suit. Yeah, maybe they show up at home in their super suit, and their parents don't think that's weird. Great. We know okay. from previous books they do not. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, adults seem like kind of the. There's no good adult points. in this universe. Yeah. yeah. The driver of the bus that Eric ran into I was at full speed. That too. <laughs> the school bus driver didn't notice the sound of a child of a metal kid running full speed into the bus. Did not see him on the sidewalk running. Did not none of the kids in the bus noticed, heard that sound, felt the vibration of the impact. The gravity on that on the Chi slash Pimalite planet is four times more than Earth. That shit is gonna be dense it is gonna make a th- okay you know what let's say it's made out of super materials and it's light as fuck all right mm-hmm. you have a piece of plastic running at full speed hitting your bus you're still gonna hear it yeah you're still gonna hear it why did the kids not hear you know why because they didn't think about it they didn't think about the cause and effect when they're crafting that moment sure uh marco and jake had the both had both had the same essay homework but when Jake says he can't go on the mission because the essay, neither of them realizes that that means Marco has the essay to do too. And no, the I think they, he they did realize it. that. Well, and that got, was Marco just being like, I'm not going to do my homework tonight. I'd rather do this. And so, but then yeah. Jake was like, okay, okay. All right. Side note on that. Uh, the next day, Jake shits on him by saying, quote, you're good for me, Marco. 
compared to you, I'm so responsible. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, you can put a pin in that for the later section on how much I hate Jake, but yeah. <laughs> I can't. I'm too, I'm too upset. Marco does the mission and his homework. And, by the way, gets a good grade, all while Jake wusses out and then shits on him. I'm responsible. You're not because I stuck to societal values of being a good student and you prioritized, oh, I don't know, saving the world. I'm, I, I cannot say, agree with you more. What? I just want to say I really enjoyed when they're talking about his essay and like what he should write about that he chose a topic that I wrote down. Wow, that's art school where he was writing about like something, was something really, it was just like how to say a lot with nothing. Do you know I what? Like, I, highli- <laughs> I highlighted that too. And do you know what I was going to reference for that? What? literally us in religion class trying to find ways to say absolutely nothing and all we had to do at the end was be like jesus you know called me to write this or something that like referenced really took the wheel on this one yeah like literally we'd show up to prayer and be like i forgot to prepare a prayer i'll play jesus take the wheel and that'll be fine and i was like that i really related to this that was me yeah i was just like that's that's to me i'm like i remember my art school days this is like an essay i've written several times yeah I just, I just don't understand though why, like, what does Marco see in Jake that why, why does he think he's a good leader? Why, why? Why does it. anyone think that Jake is a great leader? Is my question. Okay, so that was just the minor things, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's go to the major things. Uh, they have a mission briefing for going into the Zurich facility, right? And they know that there's a furnace, but somehow don't realize it exists until they reach it. They. Talked I didn't about know about it. the furnace. This was part of the redacted part, I guess. Uh, yeah, you didn't know about <laughs> they talked about it. They uh, knew about it, but did not plan on how to get through it. Yep, that's true for all of their plans. Okay, yeah, we're yeah. So we're gonna get to that. Uh, they don't think about how to hold the crystal. Yeah, and they don't make a plan for how to leave the facility once they get it. That's kind of a major problem. What were they doing in that briefing? Were they just staring at each other silently? <laughs> Yeah, probably. So some of this tracks for me, though, because we know that they, so we were discussing last week with Lucy how old these kids are, and we thought originally they were young high schoolers, but now we think maybe they're, like, eighth graders. They're either and, eighth or ninth grade, and everybody yeah, kind of get different clues that point us one way or another. Yeah. Well, regardless so, of their age, there are, well, but, sorry, go ahead. But some of this mildly tracks to me, some of, not everything, some of it, though, because I think kids' brains are not developed at that point making a complete plan and thinking through things like, oh, we won't be able to carry stuff out as bats. That totally seems like a gap that young kids would have. Yeah. Like, but I think not that there are a gap some... that a chi would have. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Irresponsible chi. Yeah. Uh, also, how about, let's talk about the world. Like, forget the kid's age. How about there's no consequences for a bear tearing into a suburban home? Yeah. That would be big fucking news. What about witnesses? Do the Chi have to move their headquarters now that the house has all this attention drawn to it? Are the Yurks going to find them now? Why is, the, why is the Android headquarters in this very public location anyway? Or is it actually a distributed basement hologram of some kind? Have they been replicating more Chi and there's headquarters everywhere? If they've been replicating, like how much of the human population is even human anymore? You got Yurks taking over, you got Chi pretending they're human just there's so So, many questions every episode we have so many questions we do i do think though that the the um chi are actually in a good in good shape though because if the yurks are curious about that house their first reaction would be to get into someone's head and Mm -hmm. then we know what happens to them if they get into a chi's head Mm -hmm. and then that you can protect themselves 
Yeah. So like, but what about actually, the, the neighbors kind of... and like animal control and like all the news outlets saying there was a bear yes. that attacked a suburban house. All of that for sure. But like, even if Yerks got, got a lot of attention on them, what they would do is to get somebody like Yerk somebody who would then have to go into the house and those people would be chi. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. like, I think their fort is actually really safe in that. Maybe the news as long as they yerk someone to... Well, no, the news reporters are probably also Yerks. Like we know the Yerks are at mm. all levels of government. Mm. So if mm. they think, oh, there was a, this house, the whole front of it got blown through by a bear, this might have something to do with the Andalites. They, they can suppress it because that's yeah. what they're incentivized to do. Mm-hmm. I will say that we have talked about this in previous times where like, like in one episode uh, or one book, one of the kids like turns into an elephant and throws a man onto a tent and he the tent like collapses like this like that 100 would be in the news there should be consequences for it mm-hmm, but there mm-hmm, aren't mm-hmm. but yeah. there aren't there or are like never the, consequences for yep. anything or like book one where the woman is freed from the lady godiva the lady godiva she leaves on a horse we've never we never know what happened to her yeah how about the massive slaughter scene at the office building what happens when people find the bodies the alien bodies but, but the blood evidence no that's the one thing like the yerks will suppress that that okay. actually makes sure. total sense because they they are suppressing everything what about uh all the animal paw prints and blood leading away from the scene no they'll that'll be your they'll do everything they'll, they'll, they'll get rid of everything okay so yeah. they're gonna just gonna like suck up their whole building into the spaceship what about the dead yerked humans that all went missing on the same night i mean what about the regular human employees the that show up to the missing so, building the next day we also know things like the Yerks have police and they have govern- like government people. So it would be not hard for them to say, oh, there was like a gas leak in the building. We're closing it for today. You can't come in. Yeah. Um, or like people went missing and the police can, like, I think there's lots of ways for the Yerks to sort of slow things down or even make them stop. Yeah. And we well, don't know. They can absolutely do that. And we don't know, like if there's a human controller who died, who would report them missing? Is it their family? Does their family have Yerks? Um, because if maybe everyone in their family is the year when they know what happened to them, they're not going to report it. Also, as far as sucking things up into the mothership, yeah, they have a straight up vacuum ship that sucks up stuff out of lakes. Yes. So like, yeah, Classic. they all suck stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't think, I think the building, the, their solution for that is very easy. It's just like, oh, there was a gas leak in the building. You can't come in. Yep. Totally. Wow. Or if they're feeling really clever, they'll be like, oh, it was an attack. And then try to get people to find the Andalite bandits on their behalf. Yeah. It was attacked by a yeah. coordinated group of a bear yep. and tiger yeah. and not a lion. And although this was Elephant. apparently, you know, he's doing Elephant my and gorilla. This is the first book where they said lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Oh, cool. So that's a fun fact there. <laughs> that is a good fun fact. Okay. But also there's, those are minor points. Those are some major plot points where it's just halfway considered uh, where only half of the story is shown or maybe less than half of the story is shown to the reader. There's also meta things, like the emotional toll. Oh, yeah. No, we talk about that every episode, too. It's never really addressed. Okay. Like, the trauma of everything that everybody's going through is just, like, they looked sad. Well, how about, yeah, so Eric, Eric, I kept writing him as Eric uh, Android, because (laughs) he's too good, Uh, says he'll never forget because he's an android, but, and, like, that's why he gives back the crystal to the kids, but he can just delete those memories. He can reprogram himself. With the crystal. That's a great point. The whole reason yeah. he gave up the crystals is because he feels awful of the slaughter that he saw slash committed. But I, I also, I don't understand how he's been around humans for thousands of years 
witnessed those horrible atrocities that humans have committed to each other, probably even firsthand for some of those, yeah. or maybe mm-hmm. happened to him and he had to escape or something. How did he come to terms with all those terrible memories? Great I question. actually made some notes of the same thing. I Humans are really violent. He's been yeah. around for a long time. Um, He's seen some shit. And I also feel like inaction is violence, um, yep. which I get is not Seconded. everybody's opinion. But um, he, unless they were just like living in a bunker underground and never came out, like there have been some very violent times in human history. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, he says that he's enslaved in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so my question is, I, I guess they're nonviolent, but like by not doing anything to protect slaves or to <laughs> like or to free uh, enslaved people isn't that a kind of violence well it's exactly the same reason that i'm saying the andalites are the bad guys because with their zero's kindness rule they literally will not intervene even though it's the right thing to do to save a planet from being annihilated by the yerks so it's the same kind of violence right it's violence by inaction and being like oh, yeah we it's against the rules can't prime directive style violence yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, I find if that only really Picard disturbing. was an Andalite, that would be done in half a second. I just find that very disturbing. Yeah. Um, because there just is a certain amount of violence that they have been witness to. And by doing nothing, they are part of it. Yeah. Well, should we change to a different topic? Well, I, uh, I, do have, I do have a conclusion. Oh, you have a conclusion. I'm so yeah. sorry. Continue. <laughs> oh, those, that was just the concrete details section. I, I, I Googled how to write an essay. So, you know, don't Good. worry. Um, thinking about all those things, like how many questions are brought up, how there's more unanswered questions than answers in the whole book. Yep. Uh, and I know it's not like easy. Like it's absolutely, it's infinitely harder to create story than it is to critique it. Right. I couldn't do this. I know it's not easy. I, it took me three tries to write my book report, and that was, you know, two <laughs> minutes long. So, uh, and I get you're supposed to, you know, suspend your disbelief. But something I realized from reading this book as an adult was that I thought that I just didn't understand shit as a kid because I was a kid, and now I realize it was just that no books, movies, cartoons, whatever media that I was consuming made any sense. It's like Willy Wonka's office where everything is cut in half. And that's just presented, I mean, as kids, you're wired to think of inputs that don't make sense as, as normal so that you can use them to adjust your internal model of how the world works. And these books and, and other kids' books, I'm sure, have taught generations of children to not think about the consequences of their actions. Hmm, that's an interesting take. That hmm. blew my mind a little bit. What do you think about that, Twin? I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Okay. <gasps> Why? Um, because, so I think that there are children's books that are just total nonsense and, um, are not like, they don't, they don't engage kids, but I actually think, so I think part of it is that a kid probably doesn't read this book by itself and that's the end of the book. Like kids who are reading this book read probably the nine before it and will probably continue to read books. So also this book is placed in a broader context. So like some of the things that don't make a ton of sense, I think actually do make sense like the, the things about mm. how they're going to find all these bodies. Like that stuff actually does make sense in the broader context of the Yerks that mm. a kid who's read the nine books before and probably because of how fast they came out, probably read them pretty recently before this book. Like I read these books constantly. Um, so probably if I read this book, which I'm sure I did, 
I would have just had a lot more context and information. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, Maybe that would be true for me too. I do think it's true that sometimes media for kids feels the need to like simplify itself, um, which sometimes is great. Cause I, I do think like children's shows, TV shows in particular, like they're often that 15 minute block. And that's really great because it means there's, there's an economy of storytelling. So they just feel pressured to like, you've got to hit the salient points. You got to keep moving. And there's not a lot of time to tell like a super complicated story, which often makes for better storytelling. Hmm. Um, Steven Universe so does it in 11 that, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's, there's um, sometimes things are simplified too much, but I also think that this, I think this book is a little crazy, particularly if you haven't read it in context. I think yeah. in context, it actually does make more sense. I it definitely is, felt like I was going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think that this book uh, is harder to read as an adult in some ways because some of the things these kids decide to do, just not just in this book, but the other books too, yeah. seem totally nuts. And uh, irrational. Or like, don't make any sense. They're totally rational. Which as an adult, you're so frustrated because you're like, why are you doing this? Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, I think given that we think these kids are probably eighth or ninth grade, they're really young, their brains are still developing, their logic skills, they're working on them, but like kids that age do have impulse control stuff. Like they do, they're still True. figuring out a lot of their mm. boundaries. Like there's still so much development that happens at those ages that to me, them making totally bizarre choices or like Marco uh, not doing his homework and then Jake being a jerk about it, that's such a jerk move, but also for that age group, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, and kids testing boundaries, kids making a bad choice because they just are making a bad choice. Um, kids not totally thinking through every step of the consequences like that seems really rational reasonable and also like i actually do think that we're seeing the effects of trauma on these kids mm. because trauma doesn't happen like tra kids react to trauma in lots of different kinds of ways and mm -hmm. i am not a trauma expert but kids do react to trauma in different ways and like some of the kids we've been seeing it slowly over time but like rachel in particular rachel's getting way more violent yeah um, definitely. and that's definitely a, an impact of trauma uh, so I do think there actually are effects, but they're slow. And a lot of times these mental health things won't have an immediate, like, big change from book to book. Um, maybe they'll flinch when they see something. Maybe they get a little nervous or scared and they might cry. But, like, I actually think those are things that do take more time and aren't as obvious. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe yeah. there's some realism to the portrayal there. Yeah, because I, like, I think no. trauma does impact your brain. And especially when your brain is developing, it has really serious impacts for your future. Um, but it's not always an immediate, like a bad thing happens. And also these kids feel a lot of pressure to act normal because it's not like Marco can tell his dad like, oh yeah, I was a spider. And then my uh, a bird ate me. And then I like, he can't, and then I was dying. Like he can't tell anybody any of this. There's a lot of pressure to yeah. act normal because they know that if they don't act normal, they could all die. It definitely feels like the person with the more, most normal response is Tobias, who is a bird. <laughs> well, but also Tobias doesn't have the pressure to act yeah. normal, because, yeah. but the rest of them do. And they know that if any of them acts weird, that They'll there get could be adults in their life who, find, who notices. Mm -hmm. So they're also dealing with trauma while feeling pressured to act normal because if they don't, they could die mm -hmm. or their family could die or their family could be here. Like, there's so much pressure on them to be normal that I actually think it really makes sense. Hmm. Um, yeah. I'm still confused about a lot of the things that aren't kid related, like like, why were the bullies chasing Eric into that bus? Like uh, Plot development. Exactly. It's like, you but see that's the, true in all books. You that's see the hand of the author true. there more than there being No, 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 that's, just, that's just, like, just a book. Oh, thing. there need to be a drama moment here. Yeah, no, that's just always true. I just need to get better at suspension of disbelief. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. Um, 
you said you wanted to talk about sexism and objectification. I did. Do you, are you saying you did as in you don't do. want to? Oh, you do. Okay, I do. go ahead. I am. I, okay, let me, let me get to that. Uh, do you have a lot pages. of points there too? Just a, just a couple few. Yeah. He's scrolling a lot. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, can, I can skip some. Okay, so Marco. Uh, Marco, Marco, Marco. Gorgeous Marco. Uh, there are some examples of I, I have a bunch I basically have a collection of quotes here that are showing some of the sexism slash objectification is happening mm-hmm. um, at the concert there's a couple of quotes where uh, Jake's asking him you know make sure you have a dog mark and he's like I got an Irish setter girls love Irish setters <laughs> and he describes it as his evil laugh yeah and I'm like yuck it's uh it's why are you little evil little, laughing little gross so, yuck um check out this fur every girl in that concert is going to want to pet me hey boy someone said a girl i was sure she was a girl but was she a cute girl i tried to make my dog eyes focus but it was like sight was just irrelevant Hmm. just kind of like pointing out where the focus is for marco Mm -hmm. uh while he's on a recon mission there was a bit of a startling scene i'm just gonna read it yeah we found out where he lives saw him through a window too bad, though. One of the other King residences we checked out had this girl living there who was amazing. Jake says, you weren't window peeping, I hope. I gave Jake my best shock and outraged look. How could you even say that? What kind of a person do you think I am? Jake nodded. Cassie wouldn't let you, huh? Fucking yikes. I also wrote yikes in my notes. Yeah, yeah. No respect no in private means no respect in public. Hey, that yeah, that's a good point. No, that was really yucky and... um. I'm just going to say that that bleeds into our next section, which is Jake's trash. And I know, I know there's more. I'm just going to say that, you know, (laughs) I just want that to be a point that we talk about. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, The people who hear this and think it's fine are the same people who say things like boys will be boys. Yeah. How about boys and girls will be whatever examples you expose them to as kids. When they have, when all that kids have is examples like this, of course, that's what they'll be. You're saying like this book is this showing is an example. This normalizing a yeah. style of, a way of being for boys and girls that is not a book. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Marco is yucky in this book. Like all of that stuff is really yucky. In uh, So in Marco's previous book, he was like, this wasn't as big of a thing, I think. And like, he was just kind of sad. And like the tone of his books was sad. Mm-hmm. And in this book, the tone of it is really stereotypical boy. And, like, we've talked about in other books how, like, the whoever the narrator is, the other character's personalities seem to change mm. based on how that character pretty cool. interprets. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's truly intentional. It's just, like, in some books, like, in um, Cassie's book, Marco writers. is more annoying than in Jake's mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this book, Marco is super annoying, <laughs> and he's himself. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um, now let's talk about... Oops. Now let's talk about female versus male value. Oh, great. Or virtue. Uh, I just want to quote some segments. Actually, I'm actually probably not going to read all this quote, but uh, some segments from the character intros from Marco's Is this going to be about Rachel versus Cassie? Because it's going to be we, about Rachel versus Cassie. It's all the characters. We cover that. They talk about that in every book, and in every book, mm-hmm. Rachel is so beautiful. They use the Xena Warrior Princess line again for mm-hmm. like the hundredth time. Mm-hmm. Just like, 
constantly, constantly mm -hmm. harping on how beautiful Rachel beautiful is. Beautiful and dangerous. Yep. And how Cassie is like wearing dirty overalls. Yes, you want to so go through that again? I will tell you my notes say <laughs> Rachel's a babe, Rachel and Cassie are two kinds of lesbians. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, also we think Cassie's bi. Ah. Just well, I think Cassie's bi, and I also think that everybody in the group is hot for Rachel. Everybody, everybody has a crush on Rachel. Mm. Everybody. Tobias. Um, yep. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Because everyone talks about how beautiful she is. No one says that Cassie is ugly. They're just like Rachel's beautiful and Zena. So my right. notes are just like there are two kinds of gays, and that I feel like a bad gay for not having watched Zena. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to. Uh... Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to leave out the negative bits of like not not dissing Cassie or whatever, but turns out the positive is kind of just as negative. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it says Rachel looking immaculate as usual. Rachel is one of those girls from the cover of Seventeen. Beautiful, fashionable, way too tall, far too many bright. Okay, it just goes on and on, yeah, right, about her said, visual yeah. appearance. Uh, Cassie has less about her visual appearance. It says Cassie has never met a dress she liked, blah, 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 uh, the type of magazine she would subscribe to. Think of a short, if you want to picture Cassie, think of a short, cute girl with very short black hair, wearing overalls and big muddy boots. Okay, descriptive, right? Um, it still has qualifiers like cute and such, but at least there's more specifics. Uh, and then let's go to some of the male visual intros. There aren't any, because men aren't defined by their looks. Not even gorgeous Marco. Good point. Nor his dad, nor his best friend Jake. I scanned these pages with a fine-toothed Dan eyeball. And <laughs> I could find nothing for visual descriptors. Um, what about the non-humans who sometimes are referred to as he, right? Let's look at let's mm -hmm. look at those for male examples. Well, Tobias actually does have a bit of description. We learn that his tail is red, maybe, because he's a red-tailed hawk, sure. perhaps. Uh, he's got a hooked beak. Oh, that's, that's visual. Cool, cool. Eric, that's it, though. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Eric Eric Andrade has brown hair, blah, 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 five feet tall, strong and confident looking. First of all, that's a trait. That's not a, if they said the size of muscles. Great point. That's a thing, but uh, confident looking. What does confident look like? Apparently, he also describes, like Jake. He describes Jake in another book as having a, a confident chin. This is also part of my theory that uh, Marco has a crush on Jake um, <laughs> because of the way he described him in some other book. Mm-hmm. Yerks uh, get a little bit of description. They're not really gendered, though, but they say tapeworms, intelligent tapeworms. They're slugs, just a few inches long. hork bajir mostly described by their weaponry, but also not gendered. Yeah. Axe the Andalite, I think, is the most interesting visual intro. I glanced at Axe. He was in his human morph. His human morph is made up of DNA gathered at the same time from all of us except Tobias. There's some of Jake and Rachel and Cassie and me in Axe's human shape. In the end result... He's male, but almost as pretty as a girl. So there's actually a, wait, you, there's a fun thing about that though, which is that we learn that when Axe uh, is, wait, no, this is the other thing that, the, this is the reverse. So never mind. I was going to say about how when Axe is in his human morph, mm. he finds Rachel attractive. Oh my. But when he's in, but and, only Rachel. and Marco, because it must he be does a genetic find, thing. He doesn't find Marco attractive. Mm. So the implication being that, uh, it must be written Axe's, in human DNA. Yeah, that Axe's human morph is technically genetically male, but straight, and that all four of them are interracial. That's right. how we got to yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. is interracial. But, 
it also implies that um that there's something about genes that predisposes you yeah. to think certain uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. white girl traits are <laughs> oh God, uh, bad, better than others. Bad outcome. <laughs> Sketch. Um, but most Wait, of- you missed the word, the, or the best, excuse me, the best Andalite descriptor, that Axe has weak boy arms. <laughs> <laughs> that came up again in this book. Weak, weak boy arms. Almost, just, almost like girl can, arms. Can I just jump ahead for just like one second? Yes. Because I think this is a really relevant time to bring up that- um, Dan did find a special website um, about what Andalites look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, called andalitetruth.org. Everybody yeah, can I don't go think check we can it really, out. We, we, we can't really go through it just because... This is an auditory you know, medium. Yeah, but we'll, sh- we'll post a link on our socials. You should definitely oh go check it out. Oh my God, you have been lied to. Very large text at the Oh top. my gosh. That is a the big... torso is a lie. <laughs> oh. And the lights have no torsos. Yep. Oh my god. You know, talking about half thinking things through. This is one of the best things I've ever seen. This yeah, is so a I, description versus depiction controversy. Big yeah, controversy so I think it's worth the, if you are listening fans. to this and you want to get the truth about Andalites, you go to this website, andalitetruth.org. Um, it's great. There are no spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we can look at it um wow. yeah I just, I to, this seemed like at the right time to drop that in if you need to this, have some like I, i'm just i'm absolutely Fixed. shocked this is incredible i'm so happy this exists yeah kind of kind of kind of opens your eyes a little bit it really does it really really does wow and like truthers thank you so much <laughs> but yeah I, I don't have much to say about about what we were talking about just that it's interesting to note that female values must include visual descriptors but males don't. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. It's a theme of the whole series. Yeah, and also society. Yeah. I would like to quickly talk about my favorite topic about Jake being trash. Um, <laughs> in the last episode, Jake screams at Cassie for using her morph for personal reasons to care for some baby skunks oh. because she felt an ethical obligation to save these baby scum- skunks that they had caused harm to. Wow, you mean and she had Jake, a reason for something? She had a reason, and it was a good like um positive putting back good into the world reason um in the first two pages of this book jake uh tells marco that he'll be a hypocrite if he goes to the concert in a dog morph and uses his morph for personal reasons but then tells marco that he can be swayed if marco goes then jake will have to go and therefore it won't be as hypocritical and then he does it that's a nightmare. That's bad. That's bad. I hate it. One rule. I hate it. I also want to say bad. that their, their plan is bad because they're going to a ticketed music festival. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to like a ton of ticketed music festivals, but I've been to some. Um, and dogs usually imagine. have to be on leashes. Yep. <laughs> dogs don't just get to go inside for free. Like that's not just like they don't let strange dogs wander in. Well, yeah, I totally this is believe the nineties at, at an unticketed festival. Then. At like an unticketed festival, sure, a dog could wander, and I've done that. Like, like I think everyone's been to like like at Golden Gate Park. I've been to like yeah. the unticketed mm-hmm. festivals mm-hmm. there, where mm-hmm. it's not it's not closed. So anyone they can don't have gates. In. Yeah, but like if it has gates, they would have to let the dogs in. Which is and why they would not pretending just to be in. dogs to avoid the price to avoid the price to of the steal. Ticket. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. It makes no sense. So then, uh, two episodes ago, I think two books ago. Um, when when Axe was the narrator, 
Um, Jake like implies, you can tell us anything. We're the good guys. Humans are decent and good and kind and we don't do evil things. And then as he's talking to the Chi in this book, he asks, why didn't you just take over Egypt? Like, <laughs> why the fuck didn't you just do colonialism, bud? That's what you should have done, Mr. Chi. Like, what? Jake. 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 <laughs> Don't do that. And then uh, the Chi are like, so are you in? Like, are, do we have a deal? And Jake just goes, yep, we got a deal. And Cassie chimes in and is like, no, the group has to talk. We have to think about this. And Jake's shocked. Shocked and appalled that Cassie would backtalk him in front of a, a stranger. How dare you? And like, Besides, only women are left out of this current party right here. So, you know, they don't need a deciding factor. Insane. I, my note for that was just Cassie for president. Like, just... <laughs> Prince Jake needs to be dethroned. We oh, need Prince Princess Jake. Cassie at this point. Um, mm -hmm. That's it. That's my, um, you know, this has been Jake Sucks with Natalie. Thank you very much. <laughs> Is there a reason why, why Axe thinks that he should be... He it's a it's a Jake title. Leadership. No, it's uh and we learned that on the Andalite homeworld, Prince is a title like captain or um Oh okay. But why is Sir. X not in charge? Uh he showed he up came late. later. Uh and also to be and he fair, doesn't want to be in charge. Mm. Yeah. And to be fair, Axe is generally the one causing problems. He's also a child. Uh he he's he's a baby mm. from Andalite Homeworld. With a big ass scorpion tail weapon. Yep. Yeah. He was a cadet. Yeah, so he doesn't know anything and he doesn't want to be in charge. So Andalites are also into child soldiers. That explained why they recruited yes. children to begin with. Yeah. I it's definitely kind of interesting. Have last week too. Yeah, it's not good. Um, anyway, that is concludes Jake Socks. We were going to talk about Eric, but I think we kind of covered all the Eric stuff really at this did. point. So you had some miscellaneous Marco things you wanted to talk about. And I also have a Marco thing that I wanted to drop in here which is just that I like that the whole book, they keep mentioning Marco's haircut and how bad yeah. it is. Oh. And I think that is very funny. Uh, and I just really enjoyed that he, I, I want to understand what his haircut is that is so bad because everyone is so horrified by it. I was trying to picture it and I really, I couldn't based I, on the descriptors. I heard in my research that the, the, the visual that they show of Marco on the covers is short hair. So isn't that Yeah, but it doesn't look bad. Oh. It just looks like normal yeah. hair. And I, well, you know, I it was like the 90s. People had longer hair then. It was a crazy time. At the very end, in the chapter where they, like, for some reason, foolishly get rid of the gem, um, Marco says, and my hair had finally grown out a little, but I'd gotten used to having it shorter. I decided to keep it way, just to keep it that way, just to spite everybody. I really admire his commitment yeah. to spiting people. <laughs> I actually really the respect that. <laughs> the definition of cut off your nose to spite your face. Um, yeah. Truly, that's very funny, very teenager, um, and I really... I, I just like that's very I like that a lot also just like I'm a Scorpio and we tend to be petty as hell and I just think Marco's a Scorpio too you know I think it's great well Axe is definitely a Scorpio he's half Scorpion correct oh, um, this is also the same chapter made me think that we're going to see Eric again by the way I because Marco Marco says um I ran into Eric at 7-Eleven yesterday uh I think he was looking for a place to accidentally run into me anyway he gave me a phone number he says it's absolutely safe phone he says the Yerks mm. couldn't tap it or trace it if they tried right uh, Maybe. So he says, if we need him, if we ever need him, we could leave a message at that number. And if he has something to tell us, he'll record a message for us. I think, I think, uh, honestly, that Eric's going to go the way of uh, book one, Lady Godiva. We're never going to hear from him again. I think we're going to see him again. 
Okay, we'll see. Prediction. You know, wait, there's like 50 books or so? Yeah, 54, I think. Got it. Plus you got to the... see all these things again. These are all like back burner things that when I... they run out of main ideas, they can start churning these up again. I'm, I'm honestly worried this is going to be like Lost and the Polar Bears, <laughs> where like in season one, they talk so much about polar bears and then it, nothing ever happens with it. Every ever. episode of Lost brought up 30 new questions and exactly. answered three. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your uh, miscellaneous Marco stuff? You have. Yeah, I, well, I, he I doesn't got... exist without Jake. You mentioned that. Oh yeah. Okay. So if you look back again with a fine-toothed eyeball, um, <laughs> back on all the chapters, <laughs> you'll find that chapter fourteen is the only chapter without Jake. Jake is present or discussed in twenty-five of the twenty-six chapters of the book. There's sometimes where uh, they decide something, and then Marco could have had a solo mission. But then it's the next day, and he's ref- he's talking about it with Jake. Yeah, it's just like he he just cannot exist. Jake is a Jake narrative is tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the huh. narrative center point. That's interesting. Uh, I would say Michael's other book, his other book, I was less Jake. That's, yeah, there, there was. was more yeah. stuff with uh, Marco and his dad. Probably good because the best I thought the one chapter where Jake was not present was debatably the best chapter of the. It was certainly my favorite chapter. Awesome. It, but it it also just kind of makes you wonder. Is this whole series just Jake's fever dream? Oh my God. If it is, I'm going to just burn the whole podcast down. It would make a lot of <laughs> things make sense, right? Oh my God. Like, you know, book 56, he just wakes up and all his friends are around him. And it there's turns a, out he a had a yerk the, the whole time, and that's the yerk oh. torture that you think you're fighting against them. That's the real yerk death. Yeah. <laughs> the real wow. yerk death was your friends all along. In book seven or whatever, when he becomes a controller, he actually did become a controller. Oh. Wow. All right. Uh, dinner with Marco's dad. What's that? Uh, that was that was chapter 14. That was my favorite part of the book. That was also where I d- did definitely start suspending my disbelief I like to that a large extent. Chapter two. I like that. I, I, out loud, I went, oh, fuck, <laughs> when I was reading it. Can I, I just want to read this quote. This is, he had been chatting with his dad. Is it, it's okay. We can spoil things, right? Yeah. 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 We have been chatting. See, I don't even want to spoil it. It's the best part of the book. Okay. He had been chatting with his dad and his dad is talking about a change in his relationship with his mom, who is, remember, with Marco's mom. slash a yerk. With Marco's mom. Yeah. Not, with with not Marco's mom. mom. Yeah. 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 And he says this, I had stopped breathing. I, I knew. I knew now when the change had been made when she got yerked. The perfect love my father was talking about was the yerk at work in my mother's head. The yerk wasn't interested in stupid little domestic battles. It wanted peace so that it could focus on deeper goals. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Holy shit. That's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. The, if the our relationship says... ever becomes perfect, <laughs> I could be a yerk. You, you better always give me that A minus. Yeah. The, the thing right after that where it says, um, anyway, one day I woke up in the middle of the night. Your mom was sitting up in bed, wide awake. I knew she just had a bad dream or something, but it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It was just, he shook his head. It was so strange. She sounded like she was trapped in a deep well and trying to call out to me. That is so sad. I have. It's um, really tragic. I teared up. I teared up during that. I was like, oh my God, this well, is too much. It was upsetting. Because the next also- line was, there were tears in my eyes. So you were. Yeah, happy. very relevant. It makes me think about how last night I woke up and made Dan talk to me. Oh, you remember this. I remember, I remember this. I usually don't. <laughs> and I was convinced that there were 10 cats 
and they were going to become one cat. And I, I it was a very needed, confusing plot. I needed to tell Dan. You said one of the cats was from yesterday. One of the cat, and you would not allow yourself to go back to sleep until, <laughs> until you had answered the question. And I said, "What's the question?" It was a lot of babbling about cats and yesterday <laughs> and tomorrow's cat. And I need to find the right place for the cats. Yeah, and I remember at one point Dan was like, "Okay, we'll figure out the question tomorrow." And I got mad, and I was like, "You're just trying to put me off." You're just trying to make me go back to sleep. What, what I said actually was, okay, I'm going to think about this, and then I'll get back to you. You don't have to worry about it. You can go back to sleep. I'll figure out the cat problem. And I remember being really mad, but being like, I'll just fall back asleep. And I, know, and I know that this is real and important, and I'll tell him in the morning. It's <laughs> a secret uh, product manager trick, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, I just I just thought Dan probably related to that because we'll I do YouTube. creepy sleep talking things all the did, time. Did Natalie sound like she was trapped in a deep well and trying to call out to you? Uh, she sounded more just like generally upset, which is, you know, is a more common emotion. In a medium might. well. A medium well, yeah. <laughs> medium well done. All right. <laughs> I think we should head to our study hall. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Science class. I'm going to actually, this isn't science class. This is <laughs> theoretical physics class. I signed up for the wrong thing. <laughs> I took physics in college and high school. and But in college, I um, recall being really bored by it. Um, I think it would have been more fun if it were something like this, theoretical science based on sci-fi books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, in this book, we learn some freaking wild stuff Pretty crazy. about how Andalites, Andalite technology and the universe. So Axe has already told us about zero space. Oh, you already knew. Okay. Yeah. So we know about zero space already. We didn't know a lot about it other than that it makes their um, travel faster. Yeah. It's mm. their equivalent of light speed mm -hmm. is, is all we know. But it turns out it's not a tool. It is a plane of existence. Mm -hmm. And when you morph, if you morph something that is of less mass than you are in your real form, then all of that extra mass goes into zero space and not even around you. It goes into zero space somewhere else in the universe on an unclear plane of existence. And does, does zero space even exist over normal space? Unclear. But uh, if a spaceship traveling through zero space happens to be near where your morphed mass is, you will explode. And he's like, it's not that common, but like, <laughs> yeah, he, it he, happens, apparently. He gives a statistic, one in a million, which I have another... That's uh, a lot. I have a, another note about numbers, but let's just say that that is actually pretty frequent, universally speaking. Yeah. There are it's pretty frequent just planet Earth speaking. Yeah, there's 7 billion people on Earth. So how many would that be, Dan? I don't want to do math. One in a million is like, let's see, billion, million. That's like one in a thousand. That's like every thousand, right? No. Yeah. The wait. <laughs> Dwin? 6,000. Oh. One in 6,000. Why are you asking listeners, me? I... <laughs> listeners, email in and let us know how that math works out. Look. If there are 7 billion people with the ability to morph, how many would get blasted in zero <laughs> space? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Natalie, you turn to me and asking me, like I'm going to know. 6,000, I think. Can I remind you, my bachelor is in fine arts, mm -hmm. and I um, haven't taken a science class or a math class since I was uh, 18. Billion. No, 17. You, 
you make a really good point. No, Dan, don't try to solve it. Our okay. listeners are smart. They'll they'll email and let us know. They'll, they'll know. Um, yeah, I just thought that was wild, and I like that as a theoretical physics point. So, question: If you morph something that's bigger than you are, Ooh. does that mass just come from what's around you, or does that mass also come from Z space? Do you pull it from a spaceship that's flying by? Well, you destroy a spaceship in Z space. Ooh, you? revenge! I don't know. Or, I'm very curious. Is it just like the then, air molecules around you become part of your mass somehow? Or are you really made of like dark matter or something? Wait, what if when you go back to human, where does all that matter go? Maybe it just goes into Z space permanently. I think the implication of Tobias is that all of his extra mass is now gone. Like he's, I think that, that's oh. what I read into it. That like when you've been for more than two hours, you're cut off from what's remaining. So you oh. can't morph back. So that's why there's a two-hour time limit, because your little bubble of yeah. existence only lasts oh. you, two you've hours. You've lost your connection to zero space. That's, that, cool. that's what I was thinking. So oh, that's actually that's cool. That's a great place yeah. to throw garbage. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> that would solve a lot of problems. That would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, I just want to know where yeah, the extra mass doing? comes Turning from. Turning animals. Yeah. What, Dwayne? I just want to know where, where, where the, oh my where God, the oh my. extra mass comes from. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And it's a good question. I thought they were growing it. I thought this is a biological process of extreme cell growth, like rapid cell growth. And that's why it's like a morphing. Mm -hmm. But then you when know? you demorph, would that then imply that that mass is in Z space and it is, you're connected to it then still? If you're growing yeah. it, it's still it's part of you. That totally takes away from that theory. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense anyway. Crazy. If it's like a very slight difference in mass, like I don't know how to measure mass, but one unit of mass Mm -hmm. That's right. Is there just one tiny unit of mass floating around <laughs> in Z space? I and and how much I of feel like your consciousness is there with it? Oh shit! Is your brain there? Just wondering. Oh man, that's crazy. Because like a, a some certain percentage of your mass is your brain. So you know you could yeah. just convert it into energy and then back again. That'd be cool. Uh, are animorphs making a case for there being a soul? Oh, I don't know. I but think they are. I think they are. They yeah, definitely are. Because if your brain goes away, but they're still they're still themselves. It yeah. doesn't have to be a, a spiritual soul. It could also be like a sciency energy soul. Like mm -hmm. your yeah. energy pattern is you know preserved. If you because otherwise, what happens when you morph something really small, like an ant, let's say they definitely use their human brain wouldn't, still. Wouldn't they? Yeah. They're connecting to their, their human consciousness. They're connecting their so human consciousness. They, they have their memory. Everything is preserved. Or are, is their brain still existing in Z space and they're connected to it and that's what they're using? Mm, Maybe. That could be it. It's interesting. I feel I like by I mean, the name that Z space is all the space that is nowhere. Zero space. Like in terms of dimensionality, it's not here or there. It's nowhere. Back to the Star Trek parallels. I want it to be, <laughs> what is that? race of aliens from the other dimension that's star trek right uh q no not q no, that's the that's the other um, oh the crystalline structure the crystalline, crystalline structure crystal, people crystal being crystal somebody's yeah yeah stuff like 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 all all of their mass is going to zero space and as it turns out there's another life form there a crystalline structure who's Whoops. just like what the fuck is all of this stuff showing up at my house <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool do you think, you think andalite ships get stuck in z space sometimes Ooh. That sounds scary. Because they accidentally run into too many Animorphs. I, okay, here's the thing. is I don't always love sci-fi books that get too hard into things like... Yeah, hard sci-fi. Because at a certain point, like, okay, the science isn't really real, so it doesn't matter. Um, and, like, you can explain it a lot, but, like, it's not real. 
but I kind of am very curious about how <laughs> vSpace works. Yeah, I want, I I want like, not hard sci-fi, not soft sci-fi. I want medium sci-fi, please. Yeah, mm. like the medium well. I would like a, a medium yes. sci-fi. What I would love, and I don't know if this exists, but like um, like a lot of shows will put out like uh, The Hand, but like Lord of the Rings has this for sure. Yeah. Where it's like the the guide, the, the book of Middle Earth or whatever, but it's the book of Andalite. Oh, or Sam, Sam Aurelia. It's so, like all of the universe building features. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll have like a page. That guy was and big on also have like a lot of pictures. I'll have like a lot of pictures and they'll talk about like how this works and like it'll be like a little guide. Yeah. That it would be great. Movies, I think more commonly with movies. Like the Silmarillion is not quite what I'm talking about. That's more like myth building. Mm. But I'm talking about like when they have a guidebook where it's just like, like pictures. Oh. And Star Trek has a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. not Star Trek. I'm sorry. Star Wars. Both. Both. But also sure Star Wars yeah. is the one I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Well, I don't know. We don't know a lot about science. So like, I think that's it on science. We don't have any degrees yeah. in that. Do we? <laughs> you do. Oh, shit. Uh, Computer science. Our second class? Wait, no. It was a bachelor of science. I'm not a bachelor anymore. So it doesn't count. Fair. Okay, uh, is it time to go to second class? Yes. Okay, we call right. it in our notes cultural studies, but it's also almost history class. Yes. It's also probably ranting. I would say actually it is more history class than anything. It's history class. History class. Let's talk about the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's recent history class. Yeah. Um, Dan, you had some things you wanted to say about the 90s. I have. I have it's, 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 it's a bit lighter than <laughs> stuff just like... <laughs> It's interesting to to compare back and forth between now and 90s. Like you can see tropes that carry across that are really strong and how important tropes are to plot and to like filler. Still true. I guess that's true. But like when they talk about the goo of the day in the lunchroom. Yeah. These kids could not imagine food that is served today. Like they, there is so less processed than ours and what we were well actually you know maybe they can because what we were given was corporate sponsored pizza aka vegetables yeah because officially we were given mcdonald's vegetable so, yeah uh, yeah so i guess they Seems maybe on could, brand, could picture it but you know they used to have actual food i actually read served. i bet that goo probably had nutrients i read it. their comment about goo of the day as um that they were actually given perfectly normal food mm-hmm. um and that the uh it, it's almost like it's like old-timey humor you know it's like it's like it's just like a dated joke about like i don't want to yeah. eat the food yes yeah. how about really, airline food yeah like that yeah i think if you watch any tv show like especially live action tv shows from the 90s featuring like high school or kids bad lunchroom food is like and like it's often it's like unnameable brown mush like it's nothing like it's just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer I feel like had this too I think it's just super common and stuff from the 90s where like lunchroom food is gross and unnameable and like just like you you wouldn't even be able to identify it it's just bad food right I think something cool though is like when you compare stuff that's interesting in today's stories to stuff that's interesting in stories of the past whether it's books or you know tv shows or whatever is back then all you had to do was have like a one-trick pony like the like those tropes that are overplayed of like airline food or or whatever goo or um sound bites like did i do that or <laughs> like just all like you had two, to do to get an audience laughter sounds. is just very just repeat one of those it didn't even have to matter for any sort of plot and suddenly you got a show yeah as long as you say it a certain quota of times and it's just like nowadays you look back and it, it has the same kind of dissonance 
as a laugh track. Yeah. It it's feels just like unreal. 90s. It feels well, like nineties humor is really different than mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's now. simpler. I think nowadays it's more complex. Um, I think that the generation below ours would disagree with you since their humor is things like it, just a word. I think super. I think their humor loud. is on an is like four brain compared to what's it four five head compared to. Sorry, I tried using a reference I'm not equipped to use. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it's more, it's simpler. It's faster translation speed. Yeah. But that's the it's same as hyper, like memes. It's also hyper-referential. I think a it's lot of super, like memes yeah. culture is like, yeah. it's actually a lot smarter. Well, not, I don't know, smarter, whatever. It's more complex. More, it's, it's deeper. Yeah, it's, there's a lot more layers because a lot of those memes have evolved so far that the meme is a reference to a meme, which is a reference to a yeah. meme. Like, there's there's so layers much, to that shit, like an yeah. onion, wink. And like, and the uh, the memes that are the best ones are the ones where like it's funny without having to like to know all of the references behind it. Yeah. But like, there's just so many like more layers of like mm-hmm. stuff there. Yeah. Whereas the nineties, it's, just, it's a, just calling your food good. Very on the on yeah. the nose, on the face. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, kind of it's also kind of a kind of a, re- a like an artifact of like the internet's been around long enough that we have like so many years of internet stuff to fall back on. Yeah. I actually have another mm-hmm. 90s thing that I don't see on our, our um, topics thing, but I wanted to bring up real quick. Another very 90s thing is that when they're talking about their music festival they're going to go to, yeah. they're naming bands, which I love when they name stores, love when they name bands, like really places it. <laughs> um, they're going to a music festival that's going to have three different musicians or three different groups, whatever. The groups are Nine Inch Nails, Offspring, and they say Alanis, but I'm assuming they mean Alanis Morissette. Uh, definitely, yeah. Does that seem like a weird lineup to you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm assuming there will be other people there because music festivals typically have a bunch of, but like, and I've been to sh- like to festivals where they have like Treasure Island Music Festival when it used to happen would have like one day that was like, the day, the, they had two days and the two days were different. They were yeah. like a really mm-hmm, different vibe. Mm-hmm. But this is one day with Nine Inch Nails, Alanis and Offspring. And my other question is, first of all, what a weird lineup. But my, my question is also, who is the headliner? Yeah, yeah, they're all important. Yeah, <laughs> Alanis. It's almost. I think it would be Alanis, Alanis Morissette. It's almost too good to be true. Actually, that. So in previous books, they have said things that were real, like going to see that Star Trek movie in the year that it actually came out. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to Google right now Alanis Morissette Nine Inch Nails concert and Ooh. see what happens. Mm. Because what if it's true? What? No. Wait. Alanis Morissette, Nine Inch Nails, promo. Oh, when is it? Alanis Morissette and Nine Inch Nails and Glenn Ballard. Ballard. Oh no, this is a this is an ad because they all won an award. I think they're from the same recording label. Yeah, Dang. I just I was hoping it was a real concert and we could uh, triangulate where they're from. <laughs> I just want to know what is the festival that has all three of those people, and it doesn't sound like it's a huge festival because their their town doesn't seem to be a huge town. Yeah. So they probably have one stage, maybe two. But who is the headliner? Like, who is, like, the name at the top of the bill? Well, their town also has the headquarters for the entire species of the Chi. True. Yes. But it doesn't seem kind like it's a, a big, big city. Because, like, they're, they're allowed to go be pretty independent. And also there's a lot of forest near them. I think this is another one of those things that you can explain off with Yerks. You know, the, the Yerks formalized this... this uh, way to pass out lots of flyers uh, for the sharing oh, yeah. by getting a bunch of uh, yerked uh, artists together who would have never appeared together otherwise. Anyway, I just thought that was very, that and then also they described the festival 
thousands of people, kids in black t-shirts, displaced deadheads with little granny sunglasses and dreadlocks, parental units carrying babies and trying to look cool in their dockers, and hardcore punk rockers with pierced everythings. <laughs> again, I want to know what this festival is because, I, again, I've been to festivals <laughs> and this is not exactly an inaccurate thing, but I want to understand these people and that lineup together. I agree. I will say oh, that. Oh, and it's also, it's one stage. It's one big door outdoor arena at the end of the city park. Um, I will say, though, that um, they did perform in Atlanta. Nine Inch Nails performed in Atlanta in that year. Mm-hmm. With the Lance Morissette? No, but Marilyn Manson was there. Close. But still not the same vibe as Atlanta's Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were a real concert. Yeah. Um, I just I want to understand me. what this is. But to me, that was a very 90s description. Yeah, it is, um, really. I, I, I love, they did it in the book with Axe, too, where they were at the mall and they named stores. I love when they name stores and stuff. I think it's very fun, uh, very 90s. There's they also, named magazines. There's also one book where they name off the names of some animals, and it's all the characters from Friends. Whoa. Really, really 90s. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I think... I did enjoy that. That concludes history class. Woo. Unless Dan had some quotes he wanted to read? I have, I have a couple quotes. Oh, you do. Sorry. Woo! Um, there's one... Uh, Maybe Axe can try and tap into the internet and get past all of the security buffers. That's just some great classic <laughs> techno babble. Yeah. I assume 90s yeah. techno babble. Yeah. Um, and then there's one that kind of points out more about today. He's an engineer, but he's heavily involved in computers too. That just sounds redundant Odd. to me, but that's yeah. also, you know, points out how much that title has changed nowadays, or at least in, you know, Bay Area culture. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, That's interesting. So Marco's dad's supposed to be a civil engineer, wait, but he's working with computers? That's odd. We no, we can say where we are. Oh, shoo. I thought I just gave away our location to the Yerks. No. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say where we live. We can't say our real names. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot them. <laughs> oh, Marco. Yeah, those are, that, that's, that's, uh, that's my 90s quotes. Nice. Thanks for sharing. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's Dan, thanks for, for being on our show today. Oh, yeah. You're a season one finale guest. So thanks for that. I feel very honored and, you know, happy to hit it out of the park with that A-plus essay that you both graded me on. I mean, you you didn't give me A-pluses, but, you know. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think you got an A-plus. That's what it's, that's the title of the essay. It's my A-plus essay. Oh, cool. Actually, that's really smart. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. It was a delight to read your book report. Thank you so much for having me on. Should we talk a little bit about what it means that we're at the end of the season? Yes. Let's go ahead. Uh, uh, all right. So we are going to call this a season, these first uh, 10 books, but we are actually not going to really take a break because why? <laughs> it's got a lot shelter of time in place. Stuff. Yeah, we have do? nothing but time. Um, but we are going to do a special episode next week. Um, we have, I don't know if you remember, um, but we've made a lot of predictions. We've had a lot of questions. Uh, some have been answered and some haven't um over the last 10 books so we are going to have a little recap uh look back and see what things we have answers to what things we don't have answers to maybe make some predictions about what's coming up next yeah um yeah kind of a little like recap see where we're at and then we'll be back with the next book the week after yep for season that's our plan um i think it's going to be interesting if you have questions that you think should have been answered by now or you have other questions send them to us um yeah. the usual places to find us you can email us at we love at gmail.com again do not send 
a spoilers. Yeah. You can put spoilers in the title, like in the subject line, and we'll have someone else, we'll have Dan read it, and uh, he can pre, he can redact the spoilers from your email. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, or you can send us a message on Instagram. Dwayne, what's our Instagram handle? We are the Book Report Pod on Instagram, and we, on Facebook, we are the Book Report. Cool. And um, I, the only one. Uh, you can reach us at any of those. Again, don't, don't send us spoilers, but we're there. Uh, if you're talking about us on your social media, you should tag us. Yeah, uh, we would love to us. hear from you and, you know, know that someone other than our moms are listening to this. <laughs> yeah. And if you have, I just want to put this out there because I just, I would like to know about this. Um, if you have cool Animorph merch, like take some pictures and tag us in it because I would like to see what it looks like. Yeah, we don't, we're not trying to take it from you. We're not trying to buy it. We just I mean, were curious. There's really so good, much. Like, let us know where to get it. But Send us your merch. <laughs> but like, I feel like the <laughs> 90s was like a really high point for trash merch, you know, oh like God. making tons yeah. and tons and tons of stuff. There's got to be Animorph snap bracelets. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. And actually, I just want to say, because we talked about the 90s on this episode, if you have really good 90s stories or pictures or just like peak 90s things like share them with us i'd love to hear them i think that feels very <laughs> Dwayne just week. likes that yeah <laughs> i just want to hear about the 90s um i just want peak 90s like you've got pogs if you have an animorphs pog that'd be great oh my yes. gosh that would be yeah. really cool uh if you have hands, like if you like made your own animorphs pog or, or own animorphs crafts i don't know share them yeah that would be tag cool. us on social and with that uh we're not done yet oh we're not done yet i'm so sorry no. Oh, and also review us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, um, that too. But before we go, I think, are we going to do the back of the book? Oh, yeah. You want to read the back of book 11? Yeah. Yeah, let's read the back of book 11. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Um, I Okay. Book 11 is called The Forgotten, and it looks like it's a Jake book. Oh, I'm sorry, God. Natalie. <laughs> God. Um, the little tagline on the cover says, nothing is what it seems. And it's got Jake morphing into, I think that's a cheetah. Or a leopard. It's a leopard. Sorry, it's a leopard. Okay. Um, and the back of the book says, there's been an accident. Someone crash-landed a Yerk bug fighter, and the Yerks have been trying to cover it up quickly. When Tobias spots it before they get the chance, the Animorphs decide to steal the ship to show the world that the Earth has been invaded. That's when things go terribly wrong. Before they know it, Jake and the other Animorphs find themselves in another place, another time, and there's no way home. <gasps> Whoa! Does that mean there's time travel? I think that implies time travel and another badly formulated plan. What a cool way think... to kick off the next 10 books with time travel. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Elemis is going to be back? Fuck. That, that's the Q guy. Oh, uh, okay. You told me about I that. I mean, he had time traveling abilities. He did. This is just a prediction that I'm making here. Yeah. Uh, if you know, don't one. tell us, but just keep reading with us. Um, I think that's a fair guess that he'll be back. I won't tell yeah. you then. <laughs> All right. So that now we've done everything. All right. Great. Thanks, great. everybody. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. I, I, I would like to mention at some point that 
the dinner with Marcus's dad because it's. Do you mean Marco? Fuck. <laughs> One Marcus made it through. You don't know how many times I had the control F replace all Marcus and Marco. I don't know why. 